Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. You know, you know how that's not true of me, by the way? You know how that's not me? I am not a man who plays beer pong with integrity. No, sir. I'm diving on that table for rollbacks. I'm, you know, trying to bounce it in for two cups. I'm, if there's a cup on the edge of the table, I'm the guy that takes a full wind-up. Not to get it in the cup, but to knock it off onto the floor. Creates a mess, but you get the cup. So it's definitely not me, because I am not an integrity. I do, I'm not a guy who plays uh, with integrity, especially when it comes to beer pong. Jody Biasi here on the Nightcap. Full show tonight, 7 to 8 p.m. And we're just cruising through the week now. There's no more Stanley Cup playoff action to get to, nothing to lead you into. Dallas Stars uh, fall to the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 6. Tampa wins the Stanley Cup. Zach Bogosian has his name on the cup. If I told you at the beginning of the season, Zach Bogosian would be a Stanley Cup champion, you might have thought things would have went a little bit better for the Sabres. But, of course, you know, here we are. We're talking about Jack Eichel trades. And we're, we're, we have the GM on the station having to respond to reports of him getting calls. About Jack Eichel. So we'll spend some time later on the show uh, on the Sabres and what Kevin Adams, the Sabres GM, had to say in his brief comments about the Bob McKenzie report, which really, it's not even a report. Like, is it even worth responding to? Because there wasn't anything to it. It was, the Sabres don't want to trade Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel doesn't want to be moved. All right, thanks, Bob. Are we good here? Like, do we need anything else to be said? I don't, I think we're fine. But I got a piece up on that. Go check it out, WGR550.com. And I'll get to some Eichel talk a little bit later in the show. Because even though we're good for now, there's nothing to worry about right now, that does not mean the clock is not ticking. 
on making your star player happy and making him content on being here truly for the really what you want is the rest of his career, but at least through the end of his contract. Lots of Bills talk today, though. 803-0550 is the phone number. That's what I'm really looking for your calls on. Um, we didn't get a great chance to react to Bills and Rams yesterday because shortened show. We had a really good Monday Night Football game. At least the matchup was really good. The Chiefs kind of controlled the Ravens throughout the course of the game. Lamar Jackson played, I mean, I want to say awful. It's hard to say awful because the rushing was there, and that always makes it a decent game, I feel like. You know, he runs for 84 yards. He doesn't really do anything from the pocket, but the rushing made it acceptable, but not a good game by Lamar Jackson standards. Mahomes is just electric. I mean, that guy puts the ball wherever he wants, whenever he wants it to. Yesterday, he's throwing underarm touchdowns now. Like, he's just going to do whatever he wants. He's going to rule this league for a decade. And, you know, like, SportsCenter put out this graphic about an hour and a half ago of you get one guy to lead you. You can pick one guy to lead you on a last-minute drive to win. Who are you picking? And it was Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And, you know, like, if you get the normal Bills fan reaction, like Josh Allen. Because, you know, he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in football right now, and we want to support our guy. But, I mean, there might not be a guy in league history that I would rather have to lead me on anything than Patrick Mahomes. And he did that last night against the best defense in football going right now. The Ravens have been shutting everybody down. They shut down Deshaun Watson. Justin Herbert, and I know he's a rookie who wasn't even planning on starting, and then Lamar Jet, and I, I don't know. The Chiefs, there's, no, there's not a guy that I'd rather have right now. He is, to me, the most fun to watch in the league, and that's the Bills' real competition. That's every year, year after year, you're going to have to find a way to get by the Chiefs. And I love the way Josh Allen is playing. He has sold me as a long-term option to be the Bills quarterback through three games. But you're never getting me to thinking the Bills will have a quarterback advantage or even a, a push when they have to play the Chiefs, when they have to get through Kansas City. So it'll be the Bills' job to be better at everything else and Allen to close that gap as much as he possibly can. He'll never close it completely because Mahomes is playing the position at a better rate than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And is he helped by the offense? Sure. And is he helped by his receiving core and the fact that he has maybe the best tight end in the sport? Sure. Yes, he is. But he puts the ball wherever he wants, whenever he wants it to, and there's not a throw on the field he can't make. And he's mobile. He's got underrated mobility, too. So that was a fun game to watch last night to see what was going to happen in that matchup. Didn't get a A lot of time to react to the Bills and the Rams. Um, And we'll do a little of that, of course. Still five days away from them playing the Raiders, so we'll do that later in the week. But the big news today on the Bills, of course, with them having an off day from practice, they released a statement saying that no fans at games for the foreseeable future. And we don't know what that means because they don't have a home game in the foreseeable future. I don't know what foreseeable future is supposed to mean. That could mean a week, that could be two weeks, that could mean a month, that could be a year. But as of now, nothing's changing. And that could change tomorrow. 
So again, it's almost like the statement is in the way Brian Mazarowski, uh, a buddy from down at WBEN, put it on on Twitter was this is just the Bills maybe saying like, yeah, we're waiting on the state. And I think that's probably what's happening. Because yesterday we had Mark Polencar saying that the, the county was open, not agreed, but open to 10% capacity, which would be roughly 7,000 fans. He said he thought that the Bills were asking for something around 9,000 and that nothing's been agreed upon in the state level yet. And the way that that's been reacted to, there's two schools of thought. And I don't think anybody's necessarily wrong in this instance. But the way, the, the, the place I have landed on it is you've got to draw the line somewhere. And when it comes to Bills fans at games, which maybe the number, let's say for sake of conversation, would be that 7,000 number, 10%. The way I think of it is, it's just, it's not, everyone's line would probably be drawn differently as to at what rate you open things up and where Bills games would lie on that. But I would draw it before football games with 7,000 people, all in a, it's not I want not a congregated area, but all in a, a, the same space. It, there's a difference to me, personally, between 30 people spread out in a restaurant and 7,000 spread out in one stadium. Because... There are other factors. It's not just everybody sitting in their seat. And I'm sure that if they did it and that other teams that are doing it have precautions and have policies, protocols on what you're allowed to do at certain times. Because you couldn't just allow 7,000 people in there and say, I do whatever you want. There's, there's the concourse. There's, I mean, who knows how long you see, even a Bills game, how long lines can get for that. The bathroom at halftime. I mean, you can't have everybody rushing to the bathroom between the second and third quarter, getting in and out of the stadium before and after the game. And the the overall arching point, and this came up a little bit on the afternoon show, for me, is can you trust 7,000 people all to do the right thing? Because to me, mathematically with odds, you just can't trust every single person. All it takes is one person that's not taking it seriously. One out of 7,000. That's all it takes. And if that person's not taking it seriously, then that is endangering every single person at that game. And that's why, for me, I don't need it. I'm not going to you know, go crazy if the Bills decide, like some teams already have, that, hey, we have a plan to do this safely to do this without putting people in danger. And Thursday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs, we want to allow some of our longest tenured season ticket holders to be in that stadium when this, and this would never be, of course, part of the, the thought process in making the decision. But when the Bills are this good and they have an opponent like that on national television, it would be special to the fans that would be able to attend it. So... I'm not here to tell you that by any means. I'm just like dead set against it. But if you're asking my opinion of it and where I would draw the line in the sand, it would be before a football game for 7,000 people, which is well beyond, well beyond the limit in which you're supposed to have groups. Just any place, anytime. So that's where I'm at, I am on that. Uh, you could check out the Bills' statement. 
More details on the bill statement on our website at WGR550.com. You can check it out on the radio.com app as well. We'll see if anything progresses. I'm not expecting, and I'm not sure anyone's really expecting anything different in the next few days, but maybe we'll see some progress, and I'm sure we'll hear something else before the Bills play the Chiefs, um, which is almost three weeks away. Almost two weeks away, I should say. Two weeks from Thursday. Um, All right, Bills versus Rams from Sunday. There was a lot to chew on in this game. There was a ton to chew on. I mean, this was a game that if there had been fans in the stands and we had been in a normal year, I mean, that goes down as a classic between the Bills and the Rams. Two great teams, and you saw it from the Rams. Like, they played awful in the first half, but you saw it. Jared Goff, when he is in rhythm, I mean, every pass is on the money. That offense, when it's in rhythm, guys are open at a consistent rate. Those wide receivers, when they get out into open space, and we know this about Robert Woods, and we, you, you know it about Cooper Cup if you saw some of what he did on Sunday, those guys can, they can make plays. Woods, I mean, he just looks great. He, he took some rushing opportunities and some crossing patterns, and when he has the ball in space, he looks like a running back in that he's able to make you miss, and he'll just he'll put his head down and he'll drive right through you. The running back, Daryl Henderson, a guy I have been a huge fan of since he was drafted out of Memphis last season. This is really only the second game that he's been their starter, but if you watch that Bills game on Sunday, Daryl Henderson, like he is fast. He's got some juice. That's a guy that you don't ever want to let get in the open field because he absolutely can take it to the house. The Rams, and Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. I mean, I wish I could appreciate his game more than I can because he is consistently called the best player in football by a ton of people in terms of what his position is. Of course, you would always pick, well, I guess not of course, not everybody, because again, I said there were some Bills fans on Twitter telling you they'd rather have Josh Allen on a last-second drive or last-minute drive than Patrick Mahomes. Um (laughs) <laughs> it's just it's crazy. Mahomes is insane. I can't get over how good I think he is. Um, but this isn't a value thing. Aaron Donald gets called the best player in the sport a ton. And he's undersized for his position, but I mean, the strength, the quickness, he moves like a he moves like a, a linebacker. And he I don't want to say ragdoll Josh Allen because I don't think that's right, but the call that Allen thought should have been a horse collar, that he got the penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. Donald reaching to Josh Allen with one arm, grabbing Josh Allen, who is probably, in terms of strength, the hardest quarterback to get to the ground in football, and I'm not even sure I can think of a guy in history that's harder to tackle. Like, maybe Ben Roethlisberger, and I'm not talking about, like, uh, elusiveness, because Lamar Jackson is incredibly hard to tackle for different reasons. But in terms of just pure strength, <laughs> you get a hold of Josh Allen, you just can't take him down. I've never seen a quarterback, and this, it, the, in, the, in the moment, it was kind of reckless. And I'm not sure what else he was supposed to do, so I'm not going to criticize him for it, but him grabbing the face mask of a linebacker and dragging him down to the ground is, like, that is, that's special. That is something that other quarterbacks just don't have. 
and Aaron Donald grabbed him and just threw him to the ground like he was like he was Kyler Murray. Like that guy is incredible. The Rams have all those pieces working. Jalen Ramsey, by the way, who for the most part kind of held Stephon Diggs in check. Diggs got had his moments. He really, I mean, he scored three touchdowns, if you if you think of it that way. Two of them got called back. But, and to be fair, the touchdown he scored, he worked Jalen Ramsey on that. The little delay at the top of his route made Ramsey jump to the left, thinking that Diggs was ready to come to make the cut onto the comeback. And instead, he curls onto the inside, and Allen knows he's about to do that, puts the ball there, and it's a touchdown. I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey dominates Stephon Diggs, because I don't think that's true. But he held him in check. He held the guy who I think is a top-five receiver in football in check. The Rams are legit. We saw that on Sunday. And the Bills dominated them for two quarters. Yes, they let them back in the game. But then, when you needed a drive to win the game, they did it. And they beat, they have, that's the best win to me on Sean McDermott and especially Josh Allen's resume. Name another team, and I had this conversation a little bit at the end of last week. Name another team that they've beaten in three years that's better than that Rams team they just beat. Because the first teams that come to mind, like there are some big games. On the road in Atlanta in 2017, that felt like a big game in that moment. But they only go 7-9. and nine. And it turns out, eh, the Falcons maybe weren't that great. Right? The Bills beat, maybe the Chiefs that year is the answer. The Chiefs go maybe 11-5. and five. In 2017, Alex Smith was really good that year. Maybe that's the answer. But, like, even Dallas or Minnesota, the the big Minnesota upset in 2018. Yeah, the Vikings were good, but maybe that's it. Last year, Dallas? Nah. It was a big spot. It was a spotlight game. It was Thanksgiving. But the Cowboys were no elite team. The Steelers last year were good, Sunday Night Football, but Duck Hodges, I don't think so. I think that game yesterday was the best team they've beaten. The Chiefs, by the way, that year finished 10-6. and They lost to the Bills in Week 12. And they lost in the wild card round to the Tennessee Titans. So was that the best team they had beaten before this past week? Was a 10 and 6 wild card loser from three years ago with Alex Smith as its quarterback? They just beat a team that I think is a real contender in the NFC. And they had a down year last year, and there's reason to think that they won't be a contender. But so far, they're showing like they will be. And that version of the LA Rams is a great win. And that, more than anything, not more than anything, but second makes me think that this Bills team is going to be right up there with the Chiefs and the Ravens at the end of the season. The reason I changed the second there, because you can't, you can't discount the jump that Josh Allen's taken and the value that that presents. Because him going from pretty good quarterback last year, the guy that wouldn't lose you a game, but also really wouldn't win you a game, And we were left still wondering whether he's the long-term answer. Because if, again, I said this a thousand times since the end of last season, that if he plateaued, that was not enough for me. And maybe there are some fans out there whose bar is lower than mine who would have accepted 2019 Josh Allen 
as a franchise quarterback. But I needed to see a big step forward. I needed to see him play significantly better than he did last year. And I would call this more than significantly better. That is what has me saying, I think that they, more than anything, that they are right there with the Chiefs and the Ravens. If Allen keeps playing like this as consistently accurate as he is playing, especially on those deep balls, the most completions in the league, 15-plus yards down the field. Has he missed? Maybe he's missed one. Maybe he missed John Brown, actually, last week. Like, he's maybe missed one, maybe two. Can't think of a second one. He is hitting that deep ball with consistency. And the biggest point I always wanted to drive home with Josh Allen was he can't be a franchise quarterback just on arm strength. Because if you can't hit the target, what's the point? Like, he's got a cannon, but if you're missing every time you use it, give me something else. But now he's hitting it. And now you can finally utilize the physical tools that you drafted. Because up until now, you really haven't been able to do that. There was going to be no point to drafting a guy with huge arm strength if he didn't know how to use it. But this year, through three games, not only is he using it, he is one of the best in the league at it. And I don't think it's just because of Stephon Diggs. Because that was never going to be a thing that worked. You weren't just going to lead the league in uncatchable passes 20-plus yards down the field. Add a guy who was the best deep threat in football and now expect him to catch uncatchable passes. That's not how it works. But they've been there. They've been on the money. They've they've been more accurate. And it's like almost like the Bills, they took a risk because the type of receiver Diggs is, who's, he's really an all-around receiver, but he has that vertical element to his game. And if you weren't going to be able to use that, that was going to be a downer. But so far, all areas of this offense are open. And I feel like it, the, the narrative seems to sound like the Bills have let the, the leash off of Josh Allen. And that's not the way I think of it. The way I think of it is Josh Allen has let the leash off of Brian Dable. And Josh Allen has let the leash off of the Bills. Because when, his, when he's hitting passes like he's hitting down the field, it allows everything to open up. And, and it allows the confidence to keep, th- to keep running those routes and having those plays in the playbook. So, Allen's, Allen's leap forward has been impeccable. And it's been, you can't even measure how valuable it's been. Well, I guess you can. Wins. But, yards. There are ways, of course. That Rams game on Sunday, super impressive. Super impressive win. There were a couple of big calls. And I'll get into that a little bit when we come back. Because the big talking point after that game nationally is twofold. It is Allen, and it's how good he's been through three games. But it also is that pass interference call at the end. And I don't, I understand it. And I think Bills fans should understand it too. The Rams on that call in a vacuum, kind of got jobbed. But if you couple 
What happened earlier in that game on that Tyler Croft interception, it really does make up for it. I'll get more in depth onto those two penalties when we come back. And then to wrap up the show a little bit later, some talk on Jack Eichel. I wrote a piece about it. I want to get into that a little bit. Kevin Adams, Sabres GM, spoke on Eichel this morning on some of the trade tweets that Bob McKenzie had from yesterday. I don't even know if I want to call him that because he really didn't say anything that we didn't know already, um, or at least we couldn't have guessed already that Eichel doesn't want to be moved. So a little bit on that when we uh, when we return a little bit later as well. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. To your calls next as well, this is, this is WGR. I've said it, I'll say it again. My confidence is very strong in him. And you know, I'm sure experience helps, not to speak for Josh. You're in different situations. And I think that was his 31st or 32nd game that he started. So I'm not sure how many fourth quarter games he's been part of where we came back and won. But I'd say it's a good amount for a young player. I'm sure experience helps. I think it helps everybody. But he did a nice job. There's a lot of plays that he made with the help of his teammates. Those guys made some good plays. And it was a tough. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com situations but again you know i give credit to sean for putting us in a lot of those situations throughout the week really throughout training camp put us in a lot of difficult situations both as coaches and players and you know hopefully the practice and the preparation time that you put into it leads to some form of game reality and unfortunately it did that is bill's offensive coordinator brian dable man enjoy that while it lasts because i can't i mean would he be the first guy you think of, maybe it's just because, you know, covering the Bills and talking about them on a daily basis that I think this, but is there a guy in the league that's more primed for a head coach job right now than Brian Dable? Because I think this is probably, we're running on fumes here in terms of his tenure as Bills offensive coordinator. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know, you never know what motivates a guy. But generally, you get to a coordinator position and somebody comes calling and wants to make you their head coach, you're going to take it. The reason I think I said you never know what motivates a guy is he is from the area, and he does seem to have a great relationship with a lot of the guys in the Bills offense, especially Josh Allen. So who's to say that maybe he they couldn't keep, find a way to keep him around? But, um, I mean, if who's who's ready? The, Jet, the Jets. I was going to say the Jets because of New York, but does anybody want to work for the Jets? <laughs> does any, maybe Greg Williams is probably the answer to that. But does anybody else really want to work for the Jets? Um, who's ready for a coaching change? The Jets are like it. Maybe the Lions? Well, the Lions aren't great for this, but 
If the Detroit Lions with Matthew Stafford as their quarterback came calling and said, we want you to be our head coach, like that's, that's, that's the dream for those guys. You want to make it to be NFL head coach. And the way that the Bills offense is rolling right now, I mean, Brian Dable deserves a ton of the credit, and he'll get a lot of the credit. And he'll probably get enough to get one look, at least one look, um, as a, at a head coach job here. We'll see. 803-0550 is the phone number. Just to your calls in just one second. Uh, I do want to get into the pass interference call um, that was called at the end of the game between the Bills and the Rams, and also the Croft interception. Uh, we're call- you got to call it the Croft interception because no one's going to remember the name of the guy who picked it off. What the picture is tells everything. It's so funny. Someone tweeted today, Josh Allen's only interception of the year. And it's Tyler Croft basically all by himself making a catch down the field. <laughs> I mean, it, what a call. We'll get into that in a second. But spent a lot of time last segment on the steps Allen's taken, the value of him connecting on the deep ball has proven to give the Bills offense. Um, and, you know, not to gloat, which usually is something people say before they gloat, but how long have I been talking about, hey, if he connects on the deep ball, like we've got our guy. And then he starts connecting on the deep ball, and I started saying that we got our guy. It's not a coincidence. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. Um, If you had told me head of the season that Josh Allen would be an MVP caliber quarterback, I would be thinking the Buffalo Bills are a legit Super Bowl contender. I mean, he's, not, he's obviously not Patrick Mahomes, but I feel like he's playing good, good enough quarterback play to, to have with us a Super Bowl. However, the defense does give me pause. I realize it was an awful call. I realize that the Rams are good offense. But the fact that the 25-point lead is alarming is that a 25-point lead is not safe is a little alarming. So um, as far as fans in the stands go, um, I think there should be no fans for the rest of the year. I mean, hopefully by the Super Bowl, they'll um, they'll things will be start to get back to normal. But um, maybe if they delay the Super Bowl, it'd be fine. But I really feel like I almost feel like sky's the limit. We just got to fix these issues with the defense, the coronavirus. So I don't yeah. know if the rest of Buffalo thinks that way, but that's how I'm feeling. So I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate the call. Um, the defense is not my biggest worry right now. Because I don't know if I have a biggest worry. I think the way that they're playing right now is sustainable for the whole season. And I expected regression from this defense. Not a ton. I still think and wanted to think that they are one of the better defenses in football. But you have to admit, looking back on that schedule, that they had an easy go of it. And now... You suddenly you've got some more of those elite quarterbacks on the schedule. They do. Last year was the easiest slate of quarterbacks I've ever seen a team play. You had Haskins. You had Brandon Allen. I mean, Baker Mayfield was one of the tougher ones that you ended up playing. You had Marcus Mariota. I mean, it was easy. Eli Manning, who should have been out of the league five years ago was still playing football against the Buffalo Bills last season. He maybe was the worst of them. Eli gets me. Gets me heated no matter what. 
Cannot believe that guy was still playing quarterback for the Giants less than a year ago or a year ago, whatever it was. Like, that was an easy slate of quarterbacks this year, and this is the big test. When Allen goes head-to-head with a guy on the other side of the field that can match his play and maybe even do better, what's going to happen? And so far, he's outdueled Jared Goff. I don't need to go into Fitz and Darnold. He's outdueled Jared Goff, one for one. All right. He's got a couple more good ones on the way. I would not necessarily want to call Derek Carr one of those good ones. He's not bad. He's average. I think he might be the definition of average when it comes to quarterbacks in the league. Tannehill's played unbelievable for a year now. Mahomes is Mahomes. Cam Newton twice. Russell Wilson looks like right there with Mahomes, the best quarterback in football. Allen might be third. For me, some would put him first. I'd probably put him third behind Mahomes and Wilson in terms of their play so far. Kyler Murray looks really good. He's on the schedule. Roethlisberger's back, and he looks he looks good. There, Drew Locke maybe will be good by the end of the season. I don't know. They've got a lot of tough quarterbacks to play. And to think that the production wasn't going to come down on the defensive side of the football because of, is, is it too much to say five times harder of a schedule? Like, that was going to happen. And that's really why Allen needed to take a step this year more than any. Because, I don't know, it just did not seem likely that he was going to be able to count on the defense holding other teams to 17 points or less every single week like they basically did last season. What was Allen's bar? What was the Bills' offense bar last year? It was like 21 points. If they got to 21 or 24 points, the Bills were probably going to win. This year, I don't know. I feel like that number should be closer to 30. 28 at least. That's why this big leap forward was so important, and he did it. All right, couple thoughts on those two big calls from this past Sunday's game against the Rams, which really, of course, helped determine both the comeback by the Rams and then the outcome of the game in totality. You had a... You had a an interception call that, I mean, what? What? Tyler Croft has control of the ball. The defender grabs it as they're going to the ground. At the worst, it is simultaneous possession by the time they hit the ground, which is supposed to go to the offensive player. But, look, I think you can argue more so that Croft had control because he already had possession than the defender ever has control. The defender never has complete control of that ball. Not once. And the NFL officiating Twitter account, their explanation for the call was Croft never completed possession. He never completed the process of the catch. How did the defender do it then? Because they both had it. That's what doesn't make sense. You say Croft didn't have complete control because the defender had part of the ball, but how does the defender have complete control when Croft has part of the ball? That made me insane. The explanation, more so than even the call. The NFL, with their officiating, needs to let bygones be got bygones. They need to not be cowards. They need to get out in front of everybody and say when they made a mistake. I give the NBA a lot of credit for being the most progressive league in sports. 
when it comes to some of their rules and it becomes a, how they treat their players and how they are always looking for fun, innovative ideas like midseason tournaments. One thing the NBA does is they have a final two-minute report where they will come out and tell you if they messed up. Hey, NFL, you blew that one. Now, the good news is anything close after that was going to go in the Bills' favor as a makeup call. You had a pass interference at the end of the game on Gabriel Davis. It was not really pass interference to me. And I saw a lot of reactions saying, well, it should have been a penalty anyway because it was illegal contact. Illegal contact. Because that's true. There is contact past five yards. But the rule actually states if the ball is in the air and the ball is in the air by the time Davis is five yards down the field. So anything after that doesn't matter. Which means there literally should not have been illegal contact no matter what. But the ball's in the air and that eliminates illegal contact. I still think Gabriel Davis is driving into that cornerback. As much as the defender is grabbing him. And that's fine. It almost it looked like it was planned. It looked like he was coached to do that. And if that's the case, I give the Bills a ton of credit because that is incredibly smart. Especially when you've had a big call go against you in a big game not too long before that. That's good recognition. And it worked. And this is where we are with officiating in the NFL. And that is why for years I have argued for increasing the resources into the development the training and the replacement of many of these older referees in the sport we're at a point where you could and we've really always been at a point where you could take advantage of how bad the refs are in football and the bills I don't know I hope that they're one of the teams that are doing that and on Sunday they did it I don't know if they did it on purpose I'd like to think they did because it really looks like to me, maybe I'm wrong, because it happened really fast and it's hard to tell. But the first time I saw it, and probably the last time I saw it too, it looks to me like Gabriel Davis is inviting the contact. He is driving into the cornerback. And in a close game like that down the stretch, you don't always want to put the ball in a ref's hand, hands, but in this case it worked. In this case it worked. Tyler Croft, by the way, who I mentioned on the interception. He should have got credit for the catch. He had a real nice game. Real nice game. Nice depth piece. He had that one big season. I don't even know if I want to call it big. He had that one really good season in uh, in Cincinnati where he had seven touchdowns. He really hasn't had much yardage production uh, throughout his career. Been more of a red zone target. Him being 6-6 and all. Uh, his big year started all 16 games for the Bengals three years ago. 42 receptions and 62 targets, 404 yards, 7 touchdowns. Again, touchdown numbers, the big one there. Last year, first game, first year with the Bills, 11 games, only 71 yards and a touchdown. I'm never going to think of him as some starting caliber tight end, and I said that the moment he got here, that like, hey, the Bengals let him walk because they had two other tight ends they liked more, in Tyler Eifert and C.J. Uzama. So Croft's fine. I like him. Nice, nice, depth, nice depth piece. But what we've got right now with the tight end position is a nice depth piece in Tyler Croft, a blocking tight end in Lee Smith, an interesting, curious depth guy in Reggie Gilliam, and then you've got Dawson Knox, who is an interesting young player with with incredible potential, I think, but definite inconsistencies. And 
I wouldn't be against the Bills trying to do better at the tight end position uh, closer to the trade deadline. They keep winning, and they keep pressing the Chiefs and maybe the Ravens, maybe the Steelers, for that number one seed in the conference. And I think that we'll be talking about a potential Zach Ertz trade at the trade deadline. I think that's where we're headed if this team keeps playing like they're playing. Because that's a position where I don't think they're desperate at by any means. But you add a star player there, and suddenly, I mean, not even suddenly, they already have one of the best offenses in football. But maybe that's uh, the one thing they could upgrade. That's, that's a winner's type move. Don't think they need to do it, but that's that would be going for it right there. But, of course, lots of time to talk about that. Trade deadline is a while away, and who's who knows what the Bills' record will be uh, by the time we get there. Probably really good, though. Probably really, really good. Almost definitely. Little hockey talk when we come back. Jack Eichel, there was some talk on him from the GM Kevin Adams. Not much. We'll play that for you coming back, and then I've got a few words on that. i got a piece up on the website as well. Um, so we'll do that when we come back. So the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. call and make phone calls and ask about players every day and my job is to listen and have conversations i think it's something that i i want to make very clear that we have no intention and we're not shopping jack or talking to teams uh, looking to do anything with jack it's just people call and ask questions and, and you have conversations so that's really exciting okay sabers general manager kevin adams on the instigators this morning responding to a Bob McKenzie tweet thread from yesterday basically saying, all in all, Jack Eichel doesn't want to be traded and the Sabres don't want to trade Jack Eichel. We had Adams anyway today saying that we're not trading Jack Eichel, doubling down on the report. Um, The Rangers apparently one team that called, though. And, you know, is that supposed to be surprising? Because if I were any GM in the league... And I saw that Kevin Adams, a guy who largely, no offense to the GM, but if I'm another GM in the sport and I see that a guy that was VP of Business Administration gets hired as to now run the hockey department, I'm probably calling to see if I could take advantage of him. And, I mean, obviously, Kevin Adams proving that he's at least not, you know, an idiot because that's what it would probably take to move Jack Heichel right now. Um, And he even laughed it off. So, like, he gets it. Even though he doesn't outright say there that like we're never tra- we're not trading Jack Eichel in any under circumstances, that little laugh in there when saying like yeah teams call but come on like that to me that's what it felt like he was saying. So I think Adams gets obviously that you know he can't trade the, the easily the best part of this team, but just because Eichel doesn't want to be moved right now or at least hasn't asked to be moved, does not mean the clock is not ticking. And I think the Sabres need to act, and I think they, at least so far, have. Like, they are under pressure to win right now because their captain has been here for five years and is yet to play a meaningful game. He's been here for five years, and there's no sign that they're any closer to a playoff berth than when, and at any point in his career. Now, again, I will say that 
there's some reason for optimism. I think they should be in win-now mode. And that's kind of what I lay out in my piece at WGR550.com. I think they should be in win-now mode. Because if every year that goes by just increases the odds that your captain, that your best player, is going to say, I've had enough, and I'm done. Move me. And even if that happens, the Sabres can, of course, say no, because you're under contract until July 1st of 2026. But this is the long game. I see a lot about the Sabres have all the leverage in the situation. And they have a lot of leverage because of that contract. And because, at this point, like we speculate because it only seems right that a guy that good, who's been on a team this bad for five years, would think about wanting out. There's really nothing concrete to say that he actually wants to leave. There's nothing. But this is not just about the next couple of seasons. We don't want Jack Eichel leaving in 2026. I know that's a long way away. But this is a guy that you want on your franchise for the length of his career. He'll be 29 years old. 28 years old. No, he'll be 29. 29 years old when that contract expires... You're still going to want Jack Eichel around. And if you have only had one or two good seasons by that point, he, you think he's staying? I mean, maybe he loves the area that much, but it's a kid from Boston who only knew winning as a sports fan growing up. So I think there needs to be some big pressure on the Sabres to get good right now. And to Kevin Adams' credit, he's already done a thing that Jason Bottrell couldn't do in two years. He pulled the trigger, and he improved the second-line center position. Like that. Isn't that insane? From Ryan O'Reilly's departure to when Jason Bottrell was fired. Nothing. We got a winger that they had to play in a, in a, in a position that he didn't play, in Marcus Johansson. We had a prospect who was rushed in Casey Middlestat. We took a cap dump in Patrick Berglund and hoped that was going to work. We took another cap dump in Vladimir Sabatka and hoped that was going to work. You never had a good reason to believe they had fixed it. Other than a great hope that Middlestat was going to develop into that player that quickly. Kevin Adams comes right out, and within a couple of months of his tenure, he's got the second-line center. Now it's on the short term, and maybe Jason Bosho did give us our future second-line center in Dylan Cousins. But... Adams got the second-line center. Eric Stahl will stabilize that position on the short term. That was the first step you needed to take towards being competitive. And that's really, that's the quick fix. That's all you need. You have a competitive team that's in a playoff hunt. I don't even know if I need you need them to make the playoffs. But just be close at the end of the season, and nobody's talking about a Jack Eichel trade. That's the fix. Everyone stops talking about it if you get somewhat good. And Eric Stahl was the first step that they needed towards having that season in 2021. So, good start for Kevin Adams. Uh, having that trade, and I mean, I, I don't want to give him too much credit because it shouldn't be that hard to know not to trade Jack Eichel, but to not, you know, get suckered into some deal. And it doesn't sound like that's happening. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to tonight's show. Again, I am back 7 to 8 on weekdays. 
carrying you through the Bills season. Maybe start to transition to the Raiders game on Sunday a little bit. I got a couple of fantasy ideas um, to talk about with this upcoming weekend. We didn't even I didn't even mention Titans and Steelers, uh, which might get postponed on Sunday because of some positive COVID tests. We'll talk about that as well and uh, anything that comes up during the day tomorrow. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.